0: Hi, my name is Ryan McIntyre. I'm the President of Mavericks Metals. Mavericks Metals is a company that's focused on Gold royalties and streams. We've got 121 royalties and streams currently, uh, 13 of which are paying. So we've got a great portfolio of free cash flowing assets. We did about just over $50 dollars of revenue last year at 90% margin, and we've got a great uh, exploration and development program uh, in the portfolio.
1: Good to have you back, Ryan. How have you been keeping?
0: How's New York City? Uh, it's everything's well, thanks.
1: Yeah, I hear there's a storm coming your way, though. Just so you know.
0: Uh, thanks for letting me know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks for coming back on. Um, I think we spoke with Dan back in March, um, but there've been a few press releases out since we um, caught up with him. One of which I'm quite excited about because I think your industry needs to do more of this, and you, you basically um, published a an asset handbook. So. Explain what that is and what you were trying to do with it.
0: Yeah, so we just published our second edition of our annual handbook. So we just posted it onto our website uh, last week. And what's great about that is it's basically, it's a 47-page user guide to Mavericks. So it's everything Mavericks from our history, talks about re- the creation of streams and royalties, and it obviously talks about all of the different assets we have uh, that are currently paying. And it also delves into pretty good depth in terms of the ones that we have you know, advanced uh projects on so it's it's a great comprehensive book and it's something that as an investor i think would want to have and that's why we did it
1: good well like like i say i I don't think enough people do dirt I i haven't seen anyone else's version of this but why i think it's important is because you are in a very complicated industry brokers struggle to actually break down and analyze exactly what it is that you've got in fact it, it, it just, it's exhausting thinking about it. And I've swinged lots of fund managers, you don't get into royalties because it's just too hard to kind of break down and totally understand. So is this the first step of a, um, a new way of presenting information? You're going to do the heavy lifting for brokers and investors, is there more to come?
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly part of our job to make sure everyone's well-informed about what we're doing and what we currently have. I mean, certainly in the mining industry, if you have a few mines, that's actually a pretty well diversified company, and so I guess the beautiful thing about you know the royalty space is that you know we have 121 royalties and streams now, and so that's extremely well diversified. And but it is tough to keep track of 121 different things. I mean, we do it full time, so it's it's even a lot for us. But you know, I can imagine someone who's just looking at it periodically. But certainly something that we're looking to do going forward and improve on. As time goes on.
1: Okay, you've got 13 paying assets. The rest of the 121 are are getting there. So, in terms of the near term stuff, and by near term for me, that means that you know, revenue coming in, in the next two years or so. I mean, how big's that?
0: Yeah. Well, the three big things that we're focused on is you know we've got the Camino Rojo project moving into production in Q4 this year. Uh, so we've got a two percent royalty on that, and Orla is developing that, and that'll add about six to seven percent. Uh, growth to us from just that one alone, and then we also had a recent announcement from Corora Resources, which was really exciting for us. Uh, basically, what they're doing there on the Beta Hunt Mine is they're basically doubling the throughput of mining there, and we've got a 4.75% royalty on that, so that's a big deal for us, and so that'll add about 10% to our revenue growth in the next several years. And then probably one of the things that's really crept up on us uh, since we acquired it as part of the Kinross transaction at the end of 2019. Is our royalty on the Kone project, which is being developed by Montage Gold, and they've really been moving through resource definition and expansion. They just released a preliminary economic assessment uh, that shows a plus two hundred thousand a year producer for fifteen years. Uh, and because we've got a two percent royalty on that, that's over four thousand gold equivalent ounces to us, and about fifteen percent growth to our revenue base. And they'll be putting out updated resource uh, Q3. They've got the feasibility coming at the end of this year. And they expect to actually be fully permitted uh, in the first half of 2022. So things are moving along quickly for us or for them there and for us uh, hopefully soon.
1: You're of a certain size, right? 750, 800 million bucks, right? So it's been kind of it's been a sort of interesting time in, in precious metals markets. And I, obviously I imagine to some degree you, you largely track that, but how Does a company like you move to the next stage? You know, like two billion dollar, three billion dollar. Is there a meaningful growth story to what you do, or is it just slow, steady, accretive growth, and that's what we should expect from you?
0: Uh, Yeah, you should definitely expect growth over time. I mean, that is our objective, Uh, and we're really going to do it in two main ways. So we already have a great organic uh, portfolio that's already embedded in the company. I mean, as, as we just talked about, you know, we've got 121 royalties and streams and only 13 of them are paying. So we have 108 that are sitting in the background every day, adding new value and that you know, the operators are plowing capital into the assets, moving them forward, making them bigger and pushing them towards the paying category for us. So We've got that already embedded in the portfolio, which is pretty unique, I would say, especially for our size range. And then there's the, on the M&A side, where we're always looking at new acquisitions. And that could be, you know, individual assets that could be portfolios, which we've been, become known for, or other things on the corporate side, you know, given there are a lot of players out there, um, or we could become a target for that matter. So we're always looking at everything, anything to keep moving uh, forward and adding value for shareholders.
1: So if you're looking for m and I mean, did you look at the Ely deal that's just been completed? Uh,
0: we've looked at everything. So, you know, that would certainly be something that we have looked at. Uh, we we look at everything because we have to. I mean that that is definitely our job to assess. You know what things should we be putting shareholders' capital into, and that, like I said, that could be corporates, that could be individual assets, it could be anything.
1: Okay, you talk to be the language of slow, like slow, steady growth, but growth nevertheless. But if you look at the market as a whole, because you're looking at everything, is it getting more expensive? Are, they, or are the types of royalty bundles that have been put forward just don't suit your profile? I mean, why didn't, for instance, like, why didn't you pick up Ely? Well, you know, did, you, did you want it?
0: Yeah, so I mean, one of the things that we look for you know, is the balance between risk and return. And so you know, we've got a great in house technical team. And so risk is the first level of for us. And that comes in many different forms. And firstly, we start off in the technical level. And so, you know, we try to make an assessment of whether an asset is likely, if it's not paying to proceed to be paying or what if it's paying, it can sustain, stay itself over a life cycle uh, of various commodity prices. And, you know, I think that that is, I would say, the baseline where we start. And then everything from that point, it could be, you know, you're talking geography, social, you're talking a bunch of different other aspects that come into that risk category. And then then we could also talk about the opportunity side as well because uh, it's not just risk, there's also opportunity in terms of how does that flex uh, between different uh, scenarios, whether it's commodity price or otherwise. And then how do we balance that off by how much we should pay for that that sort of risk level and that opportunity level?
1: So is it getting more expensive out there?
0: Uh, listen, there's definitely more competition for sure. Uh, but I have to say there's a lot more stuff out there to look at now than there was a year ago to so,
1: so are, are you studies you go in terms of your strategy and the criteria by which you will buy or are you having to adapt that because the market is heating up a bit
0: yeah I mean we always sort of adapt things as we learn more or we have a different you know view of things uh, but you know largely I would expect similar to things we've done in the past uh, we're pretty methodical in how we analyze things we've got a pretty good data set and we keep pretty good track of you know what we've looked at what's worked for us what hasn't worked and uh, we have had a lot of experience in the sector, so we look to put that to good use
1: but if i if I look at the industry i'm trying to work out you know he, he's perhaps doing it right, perhaps he's you know struggling a bit, and, you know analysts look at you and go, "Hey, their PNAV is one 2.5. there's a real big range between companies companies out there i mean where are you comfortable sitting at or positioning yourselves where Where do you start to feel uncomfortable?" In terms of you know, how you stretch your balance sheet or how you set out your portfolio.
0: I guess for us, one of the biggest tenements is that, you know, we, we have such a great strategy. I mean, the royalty business model is unbelievable. And, you know, as we just talked about, I mean, there have been a new number of new entrants come into the sector. And that should be no surprise, you know, given the results from some of the larger players, you know, Franco Nevada, Wheat Precious Petals, you know, Royal Gold, who have been there for a long time and they've been very successful. And The great thing about the royalty portfolio is that in our case, you know, we don't like to bet the company on any one individual asset. So not one of our royalties is really going to break the company. And, you know, if you've invested in the space or any space for that matter, you're not going to get everything right. But I think if you've got a great strategy, you're diversified and you keep to certain risk reward parameters over time, you should be really well off. And, you know, so from a balance sheet perspective, that goes the same way. You'll never see us become overlevered. So right now we've got no debt, we've got about 55 million in cash and securities, and we've got another 120 million dollars on the revolving credit facility that is undrawn. And then we also have the cash flow that's that's coming in here every quarter for us. So pretty strong in that regard.
1: Are you gonna stick with precious metals, or are you slightly tempted by what's going on with the battery metals?
0: Yeah. So right now we're uh, 99% gold and silver in terms of revenue. Uh, and then if you look at the development pipeline, it's that exact same. Flavor in terms of almost exclusively precious metals. Uh, so we definitely do have some capacity. We've seen some other competitors in the space uh, gravitate towards some other commodities. Uh, we'll look at that depending on again going back to the risk return level and what we're seeing out there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll evaluate everything obviously and take a look at it. But uh, our focus for the long term is certainly on the gold and silver side.
1: Right. Right. And obviously, looking at your, your share registry, you've got some big mining partners, and you've got Newmont in there, and that's that's going to help with the portfolio comp- composition. But so I keep coming back to this: it's getting hot out there, and obviously you mentioned the Wheatons of this world, who kind of who set the bar, right? Everyone kind of I'd like to be like them. I'd like their multiples, but is is it as easy? No, is it going to be easy going forward to you know copy that model? Do you expect to see? more m or do you expect to see some companies actually saying, well, perhaps we are going to have to look at other uh, commodities like precious metals. We are going to have to just change our strategy a bit because the competition is just, it, it, it's, it's hot out there. You're, you're in a lucky position, lucky position having a lot of cash. It's great, but you don't want to
0: overpay. So what do you do? That's the thing. And sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. Uh, that is the viable strategy too. I mean, and I think that's the, one of the advantages that we have as Mavericks is that we have such a deep pipeline uh and you know particularly some of the new entrants you know they're accumulating that pipeline as we speak so you know we've already got that um and so the reality is we don't really have to do anything if we don't want to we don't feel that we're stressed to need anything Uh, but on the other hand uh, again we'll always look at everything that kind of comes by our desk i mean that's our job uh and you know there are a lot of smart people in this space and you know nothing is easy per se uh, but I think you know, keep on plugging away. We use our relationships, our networks, and frankly, our sort of risk-return kind of criteria, and uh, we think we'll be successful.
1: But everyone's kind of got those relationships, and all the banks come to you guys. They pick up the phone and please, please bid, please submit a bid, you know, because that that that's their job. And I know you're not under any pressure because you've got a, a bunch of cash and access to cash to be able to do deals when the right deal comes along. And I know you've noticed recently you've come increased the dividend to another twenty five percent, so it's up to what one point two five, which is good. But the share price is kind of it's moving sideways at the moment. Is 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 this a should eyes investor be thinking there's a long term play here? You know, get get used to it. as part of my portfolio. This is a, a reasonable, slow and steady growth story. Or do you think at some point you, despite the cash, you're going to come under some pressure from shareholders and say, hey we need to get these things moving here or, or, or I'm out of here. I mean, again, what are the pressures that you know, you're under from that regard?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, one thing to evaluate is, you know, how much capital do you have and how are you going to allocate it? I mean, that's, that is obviously critical. Uh, and, you know, as you just mentioned, we did increase the dividend in May by 25%. And, you know, that sort of represents about 15 to 20% of our free cash flow. And there's no fixed formula for that. Uh, But I guess our overall philosophy with that is that, you know, we are trying to grow the dividend as Mavericks grows. Uh, So as our cash flow per share grows, you should expect our dividend per share to grow as well. So, you know, that is just, I guess, fundamental to Mavericks. And, you know, we are an investment for the long term. You know, we do have a great business model, a great strategy. And I think the one thing that people often uh, get forced into is to do deals that are, too expensive, sort of out of the comfort zone or out of their depth. And I think, you know, we just want to be straight down the fairway as best we can and not bet the company on anything. Uh, Cause we know sometimes we'll be wrong. We will be right a lot of the time or some of the time. Um, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll make out on that a lot better, and, but we'll lose on some for sure. And You just don't want to risk it all. And that comes back to the strategy being over-levered as well. So, you know, the combination of high leverage and uh, high prices are usually fatal as we saw 10-years ago in the previous cycle?
1: Well, that, those are the lessons I want to learn. Those are the lessons I want to understand here because like, okay, paying a dividend is better than not paying a dividend. Okay, but 1.25, I can probably get that from the bank. So my other way of making money is when your share price goes up. I don't want to see that, but you, you know, and the, you've got 13 paying royalties and they're 10, 15-year, possibly longer life of mine. So you've got revenue there and it's, it's how quickly you accumulate that revenue and build that revenue profile up that I guess I should be interested in, right? Is that that what I should be focused on?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's certainly one component of the business for sure. And, uh, you know, with a 1% dividend yield, I mean, you're certainly getting a lot more than you are on banks or, you know, government securities for sure. And, uh, and I think the beautiful thing again about the Royalty model is that we've got all these costless options that never expire. and You know, if you look at the portfolio that we have is structured, we've got a great balance between immediate cash flow and long-term growth. So it's layered perfectly uh, for somebody to behold across cycles and over the long-term because over time, you'd expect that all of the values of our development portfolio to go up as operators are plowing money into exploring more and to developing those assets. So I think that's one of the beautiful things and it's really a counter-cyclical portfolio as well. If you think about it, you know, if prices are high, we'll be generating a lot more revenue and you should expect more dividends. And then, you know, but clearly in higher prices, it does make access to capital for operators easier. So a little less likely that we'll do a lot of deals. And conversely in downturns, when commodity prices are lower, uh, maybe the revenue drops. But on the other hand, there's a lot more things to do from the development side where we're, we're buying new things to fold into the portfolio at lower prices. And so it's this great counter cyclical nature of the portfolio that's really, I think, the cornerstone for any royalty model, in particular at Mavericks. Given we've got a great balance between both current cash flow and uh, organic growth.
1: And, do you, and when you look at that, I just wonder if there's a degree of frustration when you see a lot. There's a lot of arm waving. There's a lot of shouting from. We won't call them peers. Other royalty and streaming companies. Do, do you look at them and can you see? People getting it right. Can you see people getting it wrong? Do you begrudge them coming into the space and saying the same things as you? Do you think that people should be looking at you, not them? What do you wake up every morning worried about Ryan?
0: Uh, well, I worry about shareholders and Mavericks. It's the first thing I worry about. And you know, the only thing that we can control is what we do. We definitely, uh, you know, obviously are cognizant of what other people are doing. Uh, and frankly, we want everyone to succeed. And I think. You know, one of the contrary things if people ask us if you know, think this or that is good. And the reality is, uh, we actually want everyone to do great deals in the sector, because that just makes our job even easier uh, in the long run of, you know, talking to investors about royalties and streams, you know, we never want someone to become, you know, over streamed as an operator, because that creates would create a negative connotation for for a stream. And and so you know, what we want is for everyone in the industry to be successful. Will they be? Uh, we'll see. Okay.
1: Interesting, because I, I, keep, I keep coming back to this handbook of yours, because it's kind of like I'm not saying you should stand up and Jerry Maguire moment of let's have a charter for our industry, but uh, if it kind of feels like th- there needs to be you know some accountability for some of the claims that are made out there, because I think some take advantage of the fact that no one's going to do the homework on whatever 50 assets or 100 assets.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, everyone's got their own strategy and how they do things. Uh, but, you know, it is, you know, I guess our view of things at the end of the day, uh, what you can, can control is adding per share value. So if a company, whether it's us or somebody else, as long as they're doing things that actually add per share value, you know, they might start off at a weaker place, but could move to a stronger place if they keep adding value. Uh, that's that should be everyone's goal. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of smart people uh, in this Royalty space. And so, you know, I bet that that would be their goal and they'll probably succeed at it. Okay. And
1: are you going to keep adding to uh, that handbook in, in the sense that can we start seeing sort of more? Can you, can you do more of the heavy lifting for us to help us understand what good looks like?
0: We think so. We definitely think there's room for improvement of what we've already have. So actually, I was looking through both handbooks recently just to get a sense of, you know, what's changed sort of year over year on a, you know, page by page type of basis. And, you know, the handbooks grown from, you know, I think it was 43 pages last year to 47 pages this year and more information doesn't necessarily mean better information. Uh, But I do think we are doing a better job at laying out, you know, Mavericks history, what we currently own. And actually this year we plan to make a few kind of sub updates during the year into the handbook uh, just that should make it more accessible for shareholders. We're going to add a page or two just to allow some quick calculations for investors, so they don't have to manually do a bunch of things uh, within the book. And then also add uh, our ESG program, which we'll be formalizing and rolling out. I'd say more publicly uh, later on this year.
1: Oh, fantastic! Okay, well, I'd love to hear about that. Um, so, just to come back to the the analysis um, side of things, though, do you take the data verbatim from the company and publish it in the handbook, or are you taking your kind of Discounted view of what the company's saying and putting in your handbook. What, what numbers are you using? You
0: know, we are largely use what the companies say, and you know the only thing that we'll be adding, probably or certainly, is we'll be adding some calculations because some of the royalties we only own portions of, uh, depending on the ground position. And what we're going to try to do is uh, put that in front of people in a way that calibrates all of that, so they can just look at you know our attributable. In terms of resource ounces, things like that. So it should make it really easy for investors to take a look and say, you know, Mavericks has attributable X reserves, attributable X resources, stuff like that, just to make it really easy for people. Because we do have 121 assets now. And so I think anything to make things more transparent and easy for investors, that can only be good for everyone.
1: Yeah, amen. Um, also, we haven't talked about um, you've acquired the royalty portfolio from Pan American Silver. Um, what Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so we just announced uh, at the end of June that we acquired six royalties from Pan American Silver. So, this is the second royalty portfolio we've acquired from Pan American. Uh, and we basically, uh, for $7 million cash and $2.75 million with the Maverick shares, uh, we got these six royalties. And really, it's a largely an exploration uh, portfolio. Uh there's really sort of four main assets there. So one of them is a uh one to two and a half percent royalty on the Fed Give project in the Timmins Camp in Ontario. They've got a multi-million ounce resource already. Uh the operator's doing a 50000 meter drill program already on it. Uh so that's moving forward. It's got a great land package. Uh next one is actually an operation uh that's just ramping up now in Peru called Recuperada. Um And so we've got a 3% royalty on that large land package is 15,000 hectares, uh, previously operating mine. And this company called Silver X basically is just moving it from a basically sort of trial mining right now, and we'll be ramping it up in terms of throughput uh, over the next few years here. So that'll actually hopefully be paying soon to us. And then one other one that's uh, pretty notable is the the royalty we've acquired on the Juby asset. It's a 1% royalty. Again, multi million ounce project in Ontario, uh, great land package, uh, near infrastructure. Uh, so, all the things you like to see uh, for future development. And then, probably the one hidden gem in the portfolio is this uh, royalty, two and a half percent royalty required on uh, Hernandez property, uh, which is a property actually that surrounds uh, Silvercrest's uh, Los Chispas project, which they're currently developing. So, it uh, looks like it has some good potential, no resources. Uh, but great land package, so we always like to get those in there, so we've got great optionality there.
1: Let me ask you about jurisdiction risk and how you guys view it, because I, I get the slightly longer term uh, horizon, but you, you must believe at the end of it, it's going to get into production, right? So we've seen news like coming out of Mexico this week with regards to Pamax being given control of a joint venture with a, with a US company there, um, so the Mexican government stepped in and um, upset the Americans some, somewhat. Making a unilateral decision there we're seeing some of the sort of commentary around um, pot, with regards to the elections in peru in chile we 've seen it previously in Ecuador and you know, Mexico to a degree it's the same thing with South American assets all the time when there's an election it's it 's a socialist country it 's no good for mining we're all in trouble. How do you view jurisdictional risk? Obviously, North America has seen us a little bit more friendly broadly. Um, but you, you're sitting there with some South American assets. Is that just you have to pick them up because they're part of our portfolio or you think actually that we're fine. we're very comfortable with South America.
0: Yeah, I guess just to start off with just in terms of how we look at you know the geographic risk, political risk, you know there's sort of a couple different levels, but you know, certainly you know, the one key thing we look at is rule of law over the long term. So there will always be you know some elections that are more favorable to mining, some that are less favorable to mining. But you know typically there's been a history within a country uh, of the rule of law and there's sort of status there um, and think you know things will ebb and flow and I guess from our standpoint you know right now uh, we've got basically about three quarters of our revenue coming from North America and Australia so that's a great spot to start and again uh, if you are going into a riskier jurisdiction uh, there's a couple things to consider one is the allocation to that so again we're never going to you know, put a large portion of Mavericks into a risky, what people would deem as a risky jurisdiction. Uh, But if we do go somewhere uh, that's probably a little riskier, Uh, you know, you need to have some combination of a great operator uh, to trust the fact that they're going to do the right thing with the local communities, federal government, and with the project itself. And the project or mine has to be pretty good. And so those are some of the things we look at if if we tended to go for some of those jurisdictions that are a little riskier. And to me, it's all a balance of risk return as well. So then it gets back to, you know, how much capital are we risking here, and what's the potential return going to be? Because that all factors into the matrix of of that balance again of that risk return level that Mavericks is seeking.
1: Right, look, Ryan, look, appreciate the updates. I just want to catch up with you guys. Um, like I say, I think the asset handbook. It seems it feels like it's a small thing, but for me, it's, I think it's a real big deal. And I'm glad you guys have done it, and sort of leading the way on that one. More people need to uh, ask that of their uh, Royalty investments. Um, stay in touch, let us know how you get on. What are the big things we're looking for this 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 year? Or was Is it just more of the same?
0: Yeah, I would say more of the same. So you expect continued good cash flow from our royalties that are paying, and hopefully we'll be able to do a few uh, transactions that continue to add value for Mavericks and hopefully uh, some more positive developments on the organic growth side as well. So uh, a lot of good things coming from Mavericks.
1: Appreciate your time. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you.